Hello and welcome to this service from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and it's my privilege to be the minister here. This week we find ourselves back in lockdown and I'm very much aware of how difficult that is for many of us. I know that lots of you check in on each other but I want to urge you to try and be in contact as often as you can. The restrictions allow for outdoor meetings of up to six people from two households. So get on your warm winter clothes and go and see your friends outside even if it's just for 10 minutes. Those living alone are allowed to form an extended household with one other household. You might want to consider forming that extended household with people who live close by who you can have regular contact with. Before we get into today's service, I want to also remind you that every Sunday from 1pm until 2.30pm we collect for the local food bank at the front door of St Marion's in Vicars Road here in Stonehouse. And in the run-up to Christmas we're also collecting gifts for children and for adults. The drop-off is unaffected by the new restrictions, but can I please remind all of you to wear a face mask and to keep your distance from others. Next week is the first Sunday in Advent. We mark the Sundays of that journey towards Christmas by lighting the candles of our Advent wreath in church. I'll do that for all of us, but it'd be brilliant if you wanted to join in at home by having your own Advent candles. You need five, one for each of the four Sundays in Advent and one for Christmas Day. And you might also want to light those candles at 7pm each evening as Christians across the country join in prayer for our world. That prayer is shared on our Facebook page each week. And you don't have to be a member of Facebook to see that. Just visit facebook.com St Ninian's Church Stonehouse. Today is our final Sunday with the Gospel of Matthew. So let's hear what it has to say to us today. And Avril is going to read for us. Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 25 verse 31 to chapter 36, verse 1. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, and gave you food, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, 
you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When Jesus had finished saying all of these things, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. So, here we are at the end of the church year, which seems strange because it's the middle of November, but that's just how it is. Next week is the first Sunday in Advent, the beginning of the countdown to Christmas, and the first Sunday of the Christian year. So, Happy New Year! This last Sunday of the year has also become known as Christ the King, or the Reign of Christ Sunday. Most years, what we get from the lectionary, that's the list of readings for every week, on this Sunday is a reading about the crucifixion, taking us all the way to the end of the story before being hurtled back to the beginning again at Christmas. But not this time. We're near the end of Matthew's story of Jesus though. This is the end of his teaching, his final thoughts before the horror of the next few days begin to unfold. On this Sunday, just like at New Year, we maybe take the chance to look back, to take stock and to look ahead. I think in 2020 that might be a more challenging process than it's ever been. So much has happened, so much has changed. And yet, in many ways, every day seems exactly the same as the one before. Perhaps that's the thing that's most difficult. One thing can help us to see things more clearly is a lens to look through, an idea to help us focus. And for this week, the lens is the idea of Christ, the King. Over the past months, as we've journeyed through Matthew's Gospel, we've spoken quite a lot about empire, at least as the backdrop to what's going on. The Roman Empire was in charge. It was one of the greatest military superpowers ever to have existed and they were very firmly in charge of Israel. Their strategy of occupation was simple. Do what we say or we'll execute you. To make compliance more likely though, they improved things for people. They built roads and opened up trade. They improved drainage and access to water and they brought culture and philosophy, their culture and philosophy, and money and systems and rules and soldiers. All the things that you need to run an empire and to keep the locals in line. And at the top of the heap is the emperor, Caesar. And some of the locals did really well out of it. There's always a profit to be made somewhere when it's the worst of times. We call it disaster capitalism these days. Buying up businesses that have gone bust and selling things like PPE for a massive profit on a government contract. Jesus is talking about both now and not yet in this story, which we would call apocalyptic. It's about the end of our way of being and the beginning of a new way. He's looking ahead to those last days. He's also looking around to the here and the now. One of our problems with this passage is that we sometimes punt it down the road because it starts talking about the end times when the Son of Man comes in his glory with angels attending him. Except that's already happened. The Son of Mary already came. And there were angels. And we celebrate that in just over a month's time. And at the end, when it happens again, there'll be judgment. A sorting out, sheep and goats will be separated. And how that happens is really interesting. The king will say to those at his right hand, the sheep, Come you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you 
at the very foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in, I was naked and you gave me clothing, I was sick and you took care of me, I was in prison and you visited me. And they have no idea what he's talking about, none. Well, we haven't done that for you, have we? This answer hurtles us back to the very start of Matthew's Gospel, back to Hillside looking over the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus sets out his manifesto for a new kind of kingdom, where the first will be last and the last will be first, where the people who are blessed are not the rich and the powerful, but the meek and those who have lost everything. When you did these things for the least, you did it for me. The Bible's full of verses that tell us some really important stuff, but I'm not sure that in our current times there is anything more important than this. How we care for those in need is at the heart of what Jesus wants from us and for us. This picture painted for us of the king on his throne surrounded by angels is majestic and awesome and powerful and in some ways it's really unhelpful. It's the reason the sheep don't know what the king is talking about because the hungry and the naked don't look anything like a king on a throne surrounded by angels. But then this story isn't being told by someone who looks like that. It's been told to a group of ordinary people by someone who has no possessions, who has no job, never mind a crown or a throne. This whole thing, all of it, it's about incarnation, about God taking on flesh and blood, about God in the person of Jesus walking among us, showing us how to live into this new kingdom, also reminding us that God created each one of us in God's image. The ruler of all things asks us to account for our actions. In some versions of this passage, it says that God will judge the nations. That just means all people. But it should remind us that our responsibilities are not just individual. We organise our responses to many things collectively in councils and regions and countries and groupings because it's often more effective to do that on a bigger scale. We organise health and social security like that. I wonder what we would say when asked by God about how we treated people and how we treated the least if we were to explain child poverty. Around 4.1 million children in the UK live in poverty. That's just under a third. 30% of the UK's children. 72% of those children live in a household where someone works. What would their part in that be? To blame someone else? To say that it's not my responsibility to look away or to walk on by? I wonder if that would stand up. Isn't that the response of those on the left, the goats, when did we see you like that? Their crime isn't their lack of belief. Their crime is apathy. This week the UK government announced an increase in defence spending of £16.5 billion over four years. That's the same government that last week said that it couldn't afford to feed school children in England during the holidays. And it's the foreign aid budget that looks the likely source of the defence funding. We're literally turning our ploughs back into sorts. And some of you are getting uncomfortable now. Stuart's been all political again. Well, here's the problem. Feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and looking after the sick and the prisoner is profoundly political. The governments we elect both in Scotland and the UK make those decisions for us. This story was a political statement when Jesus made it because the same was true then. 
the system, the way they work, the, the way that we organise our society and the way that we care for those in need has always been political because it's always a, an act of collective prioritisation. But it's also personal. How I respond to the need of those I encounter every day and how I respond to the need of those people in far off places whose lives that I in some way influence and impact with my choices is my responsibility, just as it's your responsibility. The kingdom of God is much misunderstood. We get caught up in the flowery imagery and language of, of the start of this passage with the angels and the thrones and cosmic images of God on high. The truth is that this passage reminds us that the kingdom of God is both spiritual and practical. I said earlier that Jesus is talking about the now and the not yet. The kingdom of God comes about every time we choose good, every time we choose kindness, every time we put someone else's well-being ahead of our own convenience. That's a thing that happens now, right now. And each time we choose not to, a little more darkness creeps in. And that's the not yet. We haven't realised the full potential of this kind of kingdom living. Christ the King Sunday was instituted after the First World War to remind us of the dangers of empire and all that that could lead us to. And as we live through what increasingly seems like the last days of the empires we've known and perhaps the rise of new ones, this reminds us just before we begin our journey to the stable that there is another way, a different way, a better way. And that's a timely reminder. Those who lived through the First World War would have sworn that there was no way that that would happen again, that we could be so stupid again, that that kind of darkness could never return. Like the community Matthew wrote this gospel for, our relationship with Jesus was not the same experience those first disciples had. They had a flesh and blood encounter with Jesus. They saw him and touched him and ate with him and heard his teaching. And we don't. Often our view of Jesus as the one presented at the start of this story is far off, heavenly, out of reach and distant. The question this story presents to all of us is a difficult one because it isn't about that spiritual relationship at all. It doesn't ask how often we went to church, it doesn't ask how many prayers we said or how long they were or even if we used the right words. It doesn't even ask if we believe in God. The question used to judge is how we responded when we encountered Christ in the poor, in the lonely and in the broken. And that question shouldn't be any surprise to us at all. After all, that's exactly Jesus' story. We're invited into a different way of living. A life where we bring about a new kind of kingdom. With the son of an unmarried teenage girl, a refugee, a homeless man with no job and no money, a man who ate with those people who other people wouldn't be seen dead with, a man whose work was the healing of the sick and the feeding of the hungry, a man who gave up his life to save others who would deny even knowing him. We're to live like that, like this Jesus is our blueprint and our ambition. Why should it be any surprise that the question we are asked is, did you do the same? God who reigns over heaven and earth, may we know your presence among us. Gathered and sent, may we celebrate your reign in our worship here and our service wherever the week ahead takes us.
You chose to make your home among us. May we make our home with you. God, forgive us when we forget that our worship is not confined to a particular space or place, but that you call us to serve you in all things, not least in creating community and caring for each other. As we serve and are served, may we see your face before us in each person we encounter, those in need and those we need. Give us the courage to be vulnerable knowing that you risk vulnerability with us. May we always be willing to share what we have and to ask for what we need. Lord, we see you kneeling at our feet, showing us how to serve and be served. Lord, we see you touching the unclean, showing us how to heal and be healed. We see you hanging out with outcasts, showing us how to be in community. So may we follow your example, seeing the need in our world and being first in line to step up and make a difference. May we also recognise our own limitations and make room for those who are differently abled and differently gifted, knowing that in the economy of your kingdom, no gift is wasted, no talent rejected. Lord, when we despair at the state of our world, May our despair compel us to join you in the work of peace and justice for all, beginning wherever we are, following your lead. Lord, may we know your healing in our lives, in the life of our community, in the life of our world. May we live so conscious of your presence in all that we cannot turn our back or withhold your love from another, but know fulfilment only when we have given our all to serve you by serving our neighbour. Christ our King, reign in us and transform us in our daily living. Empower us to serve you by serving one another, knowing ourselves to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So God, one radical act of kindness at a time. May your kingdom come, on earth as in heaven. Amen. When, Lord, did we see you hungry, 
naked and thirsty, sick and imprisoned? When, Lord, did we care for the stranger with food and water and care and love? At the turn of the Christian year, let's commit ourselves to being Christ in the world. As we step into Advent and once more prepare to welcome the infant Jesus, go purposefully, loved by God, guided by Jesus, inspired by the Spirit, this day and always. Amen.